This morning's Old Testament scripture reading comes from Psalm 80, 8 to 19. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches, it sent out its branches to the sea and its shouts to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you've made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. And from the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, starting in verse 29 and going through chapter 12, verse 2. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women, women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so they, may, so they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings to us, clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and taken a seat at the right hand of the throne of God. May we always be grateful for the hearing, reading, and understanding of these words. Let us pray. O oh, gracious God. We give you thanks for both the Old Testament and New Testament, 
Scriptures are a big, overarching narrative telling a story, and we need both. We thank you for the words that we heard from both this morning. Help us to continue to reflect on anything that may have stuck out to us in these Scripture readings this morning. Help us to go home and reread them if necessary, and maybe make them our devotional readings for this whole week. But Lord, help us in these coming moments to continue to open our ears and our hearts to hear what you would have to say. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and in spite of me in these coming moments. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you remember the game Marco Polo in the, in the swimming pool in the summer days? I remember one time taking, uh, when I was at the pool with our son Luke, we were um, just kind of hanging out and there was like eight or ten kids playing Marco Polo. And you know, it's kind of similar to this but a little different, but the person closes their eyes and says Marco. And then the other people, if they're playing correctly, have to say Polo. And they have to remain in the pool. Except the fish out of water. You guys remember that too? Where you could get out and like dive and if if the person said fish out of water, you were out. But anyway, let's just do the standard rules here. So Marco Polo, the person would say Marco, and then the other people would say Polo, and then you hear the voices, and you try to make your way to where those people are. And they can go underwater when they get close to you and, and swim the direction, but eventually somebody would kind of know um, somebody's very close to me, and they would reach out and try to tag someone. And then um, that person would then become it, which was kind of, kind of hard to do. If, if it was always hard for me to close my eyes and try to find where people were. Of course, if you wore goggles, you could kind of peek underwater and see where people were, but um, I think people caught on to my, my tactics there. But the person with their eyes closed is, is confident that there's people there. They know that there's people there. They know that there is a voice that is there. They just don't know exactly where it is. They cannot actually see the person. Maybe it's a small example of what having faith looks like. We may not be able to physically see the person of Jesus walking among us today, but yet as Christians, as disciples, we would say that we have faith in Jesus Christ. So though that we cannot physically see Jesus today, although we could see Jesus through the actions of others, of course, but the actual person of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus that that we cannot see today, we still believe in this Jesus. So what is faith to you? How would you define faith if you had to write it down on a piece of paper or a little note card? Perhaps uh, Hebrews chapter 11, if you go back and read verse 1, perhaps that's a good definition. As the, the writer from Hebrews, who still today, most people don't know who wrote Hebrews, there's some speculation, but for the most part, I think most scholars would say we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but nonetheless, the, the author of Hebrews says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of the things that are not seen. The assurance of things that are hoped for, but the conviction of things that are not seen. So the scripture reading can encourage us and remind us of the importance of faith in the Christian life. It goes without saying, but faith is essential to be a Christian. It's our belief and our trust in Jesus. Scripture tells us in Ephesians that it is by grace through faith 
that we are saved. So this belief in God is crucial. More specifically, the belief in, the faith, in having faith in the life and the, the death and the resurrection, the teachings of Jesus. And we put our faith in all kinds of things, don't we? Each and every day. And a lot of these things we may not even think about. Anytime we get in a vehicle with somebody else and we're not driving, we may not be worried about getting in an accident, but we're putting faith in that person to drive. We're trusting that that person's going to get us where we need to be. Anytime we get into a train or subway or when we fly an airplane somewhere, you're putting trust in the person that's controlling that. You're, you're putting trust in the pilot or the train conductor, whatever it may be. Some of you are going to go out to breakfast after church this morning, and you're not going to see the food that you order being prepared for you. But maybe you've been there several times, and you've never gotten sick or anything, so you're trusting the person that you're probably never going to talk to that's making your food that doesn't even know you. And you're trusting that it's going to come out the way that you ordered it. You're trusting that it's going to not make you sick. You're trusting that they're using proper sanitary you know, steps in order to make your food. And oftentimes, we don't even think about it. We just order and get talking. But you're putting trust in that person who's preparing your food. We trust that our mail is going to be in the mailbox at a certain time every day. Maybe it's not always, but just about every, every day at 3 or 4 o'clock or whatever it is, you walk to the mailbox. Or when you get home from wherever you're coming from, you go get the mail because you don't even think about it. You're trusting that it's there. You're trusting that the person who put it, who, who is to put it there for you did that on that day. There's trust there. Some of you um, rely on the Woodland Ferry to get you to church. <laughs> so you don't have to ride 25 or 30 minutes to church when the Woodland Ferry is open, and some of you are uh, hoping and trusting um, that that's coming very soon for you. Um, but you put your hope and trust in that. And you're ready for that. Amen for those ready? I guess no. A any amens? Okay. Couple, couple, I know some people ride that to get here, and I enjoy riding it too, and I can't wait for it to come back. But there's trust in that. There's hope in that. There, the list could go on and on. There are things that we put our faith in and trust in all the time. But what about God? What about our faith in God, the creator of all? What about the the life and the teachings, the death and resurrection of Jesus, as I mentioned? What about our faith in Christ? What about our faith in the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us each and every day? We learn in Hebrews chapter 11, the author is giving multiple examples of people in the Bible that had faith. Although they were not perfect people and all made mistakes, but nonetheless had faith. And the author talks about, by faith, Abraham obeyed God and went to a place that he didn't know. He left his home and family to go do so. By faith, Sarah, who was past the age to have children, eventually had faith in a faithful God. Maybe there are other stories in faith that inspire you. One that has always inspired me is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Some of you may remember this story where they basically refused to bow down to any other God but the one true God, the God of Israel. And they refused to do so. 
and their punishment was to be thrown into a blazing, fiery furnace as a form of punishment where they would die immediately. And I always love what they said before they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And they basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but they, they said, you know, we believe that our God can rescue us from this fiery furnace. We believe that our God can help us to survive this. And then they said, as they were just about to be thrown in, they said, but even if God doesn't, we are still not going to worship any other God but the God of Israel. That's always been powerful for me to reflect on. I know God can do it, but even if God doesn't, I'm still following Jesus. And that is a huge step and claim of faith. And of course, they get thrown in and they're unscathed and survive, as the story tells us. Or maybe it's just when you hear about people who are healed and people who have faith, who desire healing. Maybe that's a story that inspires you outside of Scripture. Maybe it was the faith of your parents or your grandparents that inspired you. Maybe it was by their faith that they were able to live that they, the way that they did. Ten years ago was when I moved back to Delaware from, from North Carolina. And I just graduated and I had finished my degree in elementary education. And I was very much planning to stay in North Carolina and be a teacher and move even to another town in the state and just start my life there, a new life. And of course, that summer, um, many of you I, I've shared this story with, but that summer, lots of things happened and fell into a place where I began to feel that God was calling me to not become a teacher and to go back to Delaware and to begin youth ministry at my home church in Millsboro. And that took a lot of faith because ministry really intimidated me. Um, at that time, you would have not gotten me to speak in front of people to, for anything hardly. I think I'd done it once or twice um, in a church setting, and I just, that wasn't me. There was no way I could have imagined myself doing that. But yet I felt like God was still calling me. So I had to have faith to do something that made no sense to me. And I know that had I not done that, um, I would not be at Gethsemane today. I mean, I don't know what I would be doing and where I would be, but I certainly wouldn't be a pastor. And, and I'm convinced of that. And it was just that small step of faith that oftentimes I miss. But on this particular time, it was that small step of faith that that I had to take to move home into a place that I didn't know in regards to ministry. And it was very intimidating and it was hard, but it took faith to do it. And I had to trust it, even though it didn't make sense. And I know that there was other people, you know, thinking, you just spent four years to become a teacher and now you're just going to go to youth ministry. And, you know, those thoughts, you know, and that, that pressure and, and things like that. And Luckily, I had a lot of support, but I know some of those thoughts were still out there, and it makes me today just kind of look back and, and check this, these scriptures today make me stop and check myself to say, where am I in my faith? 
And the question is for you too. How is your faith today? The Scripture reminds us that by faith, Abraham did this, or by faith, Sarah did this. Fill in the blank for you. By faith, Jake is doing this. What is that? By faith, Sally is doing this. Put your own name in there. By faith, I am doing what? What am I doing right now in my own life that requires faith in God? By faith, my family is doing this. By faith, Gethsemane is choosing to do this. I think that would be a wise question for all of us to ask ourselves often as disciples of Jesus Christ. What am I doing right now in my life that requires faith? Faith in God. Something that maybe I wouldn't do unless I had faith. You know, people that really inspire me are people who have strong faith in the midst of being really sick, are people who are um, maybe going through cancer, um, or just have had some really bad things happen to them that were out of their hands, and, and they still have such a strong faith. I was with a guy this, this week at the, one of the hospitals in the area, and I stopped in to see him, and I, I got talking to him for a little bit, and he's not really involved in a church, and, you know, um, he kind of, people always kind of share that, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not a part of a church, and I'm just like, I'm not here to make you feel guilty for not going to church. I just want to say hi. And so he gets talking, and he shares this really powerful story an experience with God that he had in his life. And he potentially has some worries and some potential bad news coming to him, um, depending on some results with his health coming up. And he just started looking at the ceiling, and he was sharing this experience of, of God that he had. And he just had to stop, and he said, excuse me. And he just couldn't talk for 30, 30 seconds. And he just started welling up with tears, and he was like, I'm sorry. It was just such an experience for him that to voice it brought him to tears. And he had faith. And he knew who God was. And he knew God was with him. And no matter what he was facing and what kind of news he may get this week, he knows who God is. And that stuff inspires me because oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I, it's hard for me to, I've had surgeries and stuff, and I, it's just hard for me to focus on anything else but getting better in those moments. And I'm not necessarily like in this praise Jesus moment when I'm in a hospital bed or even when I feel sick or have a headache or something. I mean, I, I just want to get better, and I don't really think about faith a lot sometimes when I'm, as bad as that sounds, that's just kind of been my experience, and I, I've, I've prayed that I always will be someone, if I ever am someone who has a life-threatening illness or whatever it may be, I hope that my faith will be evident and that I will be strong enough to, to trust God in the midst of it, but I've never had that experience. So when other people do, it really inspires me and speaks the level of faith that they have because there are some things that happen in our lives that may cause us to have little faith. And sometimes we may even feel guilty when our faith is dwindling because for whatever reason, it just may not be strong. You may not always personally feel that your faith is the strongest. Don't feel awful because of that. You're not awful because of that. You're a human being because of that. And sometimes our faith does 
ebb and flow and go, we feel high on our faith and then sometimes we feel at a low point. So one thing I want to share with you this morning is this, and I hope it brings you comfort, that when you feel faithless, remember that God is faithful. When you feel faithless, remember that God is faithful. God is always faithful, even when we feel like we're faithless. And that is good news. And that is something I pray brings hope to you. Because hear me, God is faithful. God keeps God's promises. We may not always keep our promises, but God always does. Even when our faith is low, even when things seem to be spiraling out of control in our lives, God is still faithful and God is still good. The New Testament was written in Greek. I was reminding myself this week that the word faith in the New Testament, this Greek word is a, is a word called pistis, and it means something. And I want to share with you um, two things in particular that, that this word pistis means. One thing is you'll learn that it's a conviction in something or a belief in something, which is what most of us think of as faith. But another thing that pistis means and can also mean is faithfulness. So when you consider Ephesians 2, which says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, it's not from yourselves, it's a gift from God so that no one can boast. Faith, of course, is a choice that we have. But consider that verse by using also faithfulness. That it is by grace that you have been saved through faithfulness, through God's work, through what God is doing is the reason that you're saved. Not so that you boast, it's a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. And of course, our choice matters. But that changes things when we think about how it's God's faithfulness to us that makes a difference. God's steadfast love towards each and every one of us. And that makes me want to celebrate. It's good news that God's love is steadfast towards us and that God is faithful to us. So maybe you've been through a hard season in life recently. Or maybe right now you're going through it. And having faith doesn't mean you snap your fingers and everything is well, but faith in Christ can give us the strength to know that we're not alone. It can give us strength to also to be reminded that God is faithful to us even when we don't want to be faithful to God. So my question to you this morning is this, by faith, will you keep believing that God is good?